You're listening to Leading in the City, brought to you by Lead NYC. So recently, the advanced team for Lead NYC, that's Annette, Becky, and myself, we've been doing a lot of self-discovery, right? Annette has us doing a lot of assessments, and we've been doing a lot of coaching, a lot of coaching, a lot of talking through things, um, and it's been great, right? But it doesn't matter, you know, so we, we get these assessments back, and usually you have to take a look at it first before you meet with a coach or before we talk about it. And every time I get my assessments back, right, there's all these wonderful things on there about me, right? Like great things that I never even knew, some of them. But what I do is I go all the way to like page number five, to the part that says weakness, that part, <laughs> or growth areas, <laughs> or things that you can improve on. And that's where I stay, right? I read it over and over, and that's what sticks with me. It's never the strengths. It's never the things Annette, you know, Ebony was right, Annette is the type of person, she's like, Len, because you are this, and you know that you are this, and this is what you're gonna do, Len. And I'm like, okay, Annette. But meanwhile, in my mind, I'm stuck at, but this is what you need to improve. Actually, this is a growth area. You probably need to do a little bit better here. And even as we were uh, preparing for this retreat, I remember us having a meeting, Annette, Miss Becky, and myself, and we're, you know, you know, doing the schedule, and I'm really excited because I like planning stuff, and you know, we're saying, yeah, and maybe we can go here and we can do this, and then Annette says, and Miss Len, right here, that's where I want you to speak about identity. And I said, me? She's like, yeah, Miss Len, that's where, that's what you're gonna do, and you know, Annette speaks with this confidence. You, you know, I'm scared to say no, like you know. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, cool, that's fine. By the time we have our next meeting, they'll probably identify someone else that's more suited for the role. So we have the next meeting and my name is still on the paper. And, and it's like, so Ms. Lan, do you have any plans of what you'd like to do with the woman in this session? It's on you. And I'm like, no, this is serious. Like I really need to start thinking about. And by the third meeting, my name is still on the paper and the fourth. And last week we had a meeting with Ebony and my name was still on the paper. But that's how we can be at times, right? God has anointed us. He has gifted us. We have been affirmed, some of us by congregations, some not yet, but we're we praying for that. Um, some of us have, we, I mean, we, we have seen um, how God has moved in our lives, but we don't believe it. We still go back to the, I could have done this better, we still go back to, if only I did this, then I could have achieved that. We still believe the lies, right, that the enemy continues to, uh, to plague us with in our mind. You're not good enough. You don't belong in the room. It was a mistake. You're only here because you know so-and-so. You're only here because somebody canceled and they had to fill a spot. Right? We continue to believe those things no matter what is in front of us, no matter how amazing we are, no matter how many, uh, somebody mentioned yesterday, no matter how many likes you have on Facebook, whatever it is that usually drives others' ego or usually helps other people affirm themselves, we continue to look at the, where we're lacking. 
our weaknesses, what we've been told by the enemy. So my question today for us in this room is what have you believed? What lies are we believing today, right? What is it that for so long has kept us uh, in the negative? See, I have noticed that um, many women of God, we walk around with this uh, inferiority complex and we mask it with humility, right? We, we walk around um, with this very passive attitude to the things of God and to where he has called us. Um, and we, we just say, you know, it's just humility. I just, I want to be humble. I don't want, I'm, maybe I'm just talking about myself, right? But I remember one day my professor says, Len, nobody likes a passive preacher. He told me that. Because I walked up there to preach in class and I was all like, you know, guys, bless the Lord. He was like, nobody likes a passive preacher. Because God has given us authority, right? And if we just walk around passive, like, oh, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know. What are we saying about the God that we serve? What are we saying about what has, he has instilled in us and, and the gifts that he has given us? We can't make him a liar. So I've noticed that. And I'm not, I'm not calling these things out, right, to make us feel ashamed or to make us feel bad. But what I've noticed is the reason we do that is because we have believed lies that have been told to us for some of us since we were children, since we were young. And sometimes these lies are, they're pretty simple, right? They, they sound like, well, you're the middle child. I'm a middle child. Do we have any middle children in the building? You're a middle child, and that's why you do this, and that's why you do that, and that sticks with us, right? Or you're the oldest. So because you're the oldest, you have a responsibility to do X, Y, and Z. Or you're the youngest, so you just don't understand quite yet. When am I going to understand? When is it going to happen for me, right? But we are placed in all these categories from children, and we start to believe these lies. That this is my place. This is the box that I stay in, so I can't come out of this. So even when you're anointed, even when you're given the title or the position somewhere, you still can't even shake it because you're stuck on the, you're the middle child. You can't, you're not allowed to do that. Right? Or maybe if you're from a culture that's uh, like mine, one thing I was told when I was young is, young ladies should be seen and not heard. Has anyone ever heard that before? Children should be seen and not heard. Right? And I always had a big mouth when I was younger, but somewhere along the line, I learned that in certain places, I'm not supposed to speak up. Right? In certain places, it's not acceptable for me to, to say what really needs to be said, what's on my mind. Another one that you may have heard is, you were made to serve a man one day. Right? One day, God is going to raise you up, and you're going to be such a great wife. Len, oh my gosh, you are going to be the best wife. I made ham the other day, right? I'm Trinidadian, so I can make ham. You don't got to tell me that. I already know that. It was born, I mean, it's in my DNA. In Trinidad, ham is like, we have songs about ham. It's, that's like, <laughs> this is what we do. So I go to a multi, uh, multicultural Caribbean church, and I, ma I made the ham, and I'm downstairs in the kitchen cutting the ham up because I don't want nobody to cut my ham. I know how I need to cut it, you know. So I'm cutting it up for our potluck or whatever we had in church. 
And this woman comes downstairs and she says, can I taste it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm confident about that, you know. So she tastes it and the first thing she says is, we gotta find you a husband. Because apparently my, right, apparently, me making good hand equates me being a good wife. And I'm not saying that I don't want to get married, but I know that that is not all I was created to be, right, as a wife. And it's these things that are said to us when we make ham or when we're children that stick with us for the rest of our lives. And we believe that there's this place or this box that we need to be in. And some of these things are not only from our childhood, but they're told to us even as adults, as pastors, as leaders, as teachers, as administrators, as directors, right? Some of us have been told that we are too old to be in ministry, that we need to pass it on to somebody else. And I'm sorry about that. Some of us have been told that we're too young, right? That we don't fully understand yet. How could you know you don't have the experience yet? You know, and you, you're working to get the experience, and the only time you'll get the experience is when somebody retires, or, and I'm not going to go there, because. <laughs> All right, some of us have been told that you don't have this because you didn't do that, right? You didn't go to school, so you can't do this. You can't assume this position, right? You didn't do this particular training, so you can't, you know, you, you're not ready for that yet. Some of us have been told you can't be a lead pastor if you're single. So that's what they said, right? Some of us have been told how can you care or shepherd people if you don't have kids of your own? How can you shepherd, how can you shepherd other people if your kids are not serving the Lord? Some of us have been told, I see you, I know that you think that God has called you to lead the church, but I see you as a Sunday school teacher. I think you will be the best Sunday school. I saw you with the kids. I saw the way you look at that. You, Len, you're going to be a youth leader for the rest of your life. And I'm not mad at it if that's where God has called me to be. But you can't determine what God has spoken over my life. It's cool that you see that, but I know what God sees in me. Let me continue. So some of you have been told that. Some of us have been said you're not qualified or you're overqualified. This is a simple church. I heard somebody say that once. I said, this is nonsense. This is a simple church. You can't bring your seminary degree here. You're going to confuse the people, and they're not going to serve God anymore. What kind of nonsense is that? But these are lies that are told to us, and sometimes even when we reject it, reject it we go home and we start thinking about it, right? I remember when so the denomination that i'm a part of we have this thing called assessment weekend so they're really intense right like and we got to pay for it too it's crazy so we go away for a weekend and they interview us and it's like four interviews with three to two people two to three people each in each interview they look like at our bank statements i'm telling you it's like they don't want any and everybody being ministers or being pastors in this denomination so i remember i went through that weekend and when i went through that weekend i was actually going through a really um, dark time in my life. I was depressed. I just um, had an injury, a traumatic experience, and I did not want to be there, right? But this thing was scheduled a long time ago. I paid my money, but my dad paid it, if I'm being honest. But my dad paid this money, and I was like, I got to go. And I remember in every single interview, I made it a point to tell them the truth. I was like, yeah, I'm in a dark place right now. Um, yeah. And I, that was me, and the, you know, and they would talk to me. We talked through things, and even I remember we had one of the interviews was based on emotionally, spiritually, emotionally, spiritual, 
you know what I'm talking about, healthy leader, right? Um, and I knew it. I read the book in and out. I was, you know, like, I'm telling them all the things. And I was like, but I'm in a dark place right now. <laughs> and, there, and then there was another one about clarifying the call. And I told them all of the things. And then I was like, but I'm in a dark place right now. And I remember at the end of it, they pulled me in a room. And they said, Len, we see the call of God on your life. And even though I was like in a bad place, and even though it was just hard for me, they called and they affirmed. They said, Len, we know what you're saying. We hear you. You're in a bad place right now. But we know that God has called you. And that year, 2019, they gave me my license to be a minister in the Church of the Nazarene. Amen. But I remember soon after that, a couple of months later, I preached at a, a church plant in our denomination. And the pastor came up to me and after he said, he said, now that you've preached, he said, I've been looking at you, I've been, you know, he said, I would like you to come on to be a pastor in our, in our church. And he said, I want you to co-pastor the church with me and another, another pastor. It'll be three pastors. He's like, we'll be co-pastors. So I remember as I was trying to discern, like, if this was the right move and trying to think about it, he said, pray about it and come back to me. And I remember going to someone that I trust. This is a good man of God, someone that I would have even considered a mentor. And I told him this, and he said to me, are you sure? He said, co-pastor. And I said, no, that's what he said. I mean, I was shocked, too. He was like, no, it probably was, like, associate pastor or assistant pastor. And I remember that moment, brushing it off, and saying, no, 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 I know what I heard. He said co-pastor, but I'll figure it out. Like, you know, that's kind of my first response. Like, I'll figure it out. But I remember going home, and even as I was preparing this, how that stuck with me, right? Maybe you're not ready, Len, to be, to, to be this co-pastor. Maybe Pastor Jeff was the one who asked me. I said, maybe Pastor Jeff, he just likes me. He likes my personality. He doesn't really know, like, you know? But it's those things, right? And it's usually the people that are closest to us. And I don't think that that particular, I don't think that man had um, ill intent towards me. I really don't. I think he was trying to understand just as I was trying to discern, right? But it's usually the people that's closest to us, right? After I tried to self-sabotage my call to, <laughs> to the pulpit, um, him saying that really affected me, right? The close, somebody that's close to me, him saying that really made me doubt and really made me think, well, maybe I'm not ready. And I think for us, it's the same. Sometimes it's the people that's closest to us, right? That we come and we're excited about what God has done and we're excited about, oh my God, God just gave me a revelation and he told me that this is what I need to be doing. And they're like, no, I think you need to listen a little bit longer, right? Instead of saying, let me walk alongside you and pray with you for this. If you don't really know what to say, then don't say nothing. You know, like, let me, let me come alongside you and pray for you. Um, they push back. And it's these things um, that we've believed, these lies that we've believed. But I believe that today it's time that we identify these lies, right? And we replace them with the truth of who God says that we are. And Tia was just singing that song. Girl, I never heard that song before. It's a really nice song. You got to give me that song. But it talked to, it's Maverick City. I thought it had that kind of Maverick City vibe. I thought so. Um, but in that song, you were talking about how much God loves us. And I'll get into that. So this is 
there are three core lies that manifest in us, right? There are three core lies that we believe. Um, and this is uh, directly from Dr. Rob Reamer's book, Soul Care. Um, but there are three core lies that we believe. And it, it manifests in different ways, and it comes to us, you know, people say it to us in different ways, but these are the three core lies that manifest. The performance lie. And that's what we do to be accepted, right? How well you do determines the love that you receive. So, you know, it's COVID and I'm a, I'm a leading pastor or I'm leading a ministry. How well I navigate this time is how well they're gonna love me when they come back to the building, right? And it's not that you don't wanna navigate the time well, it's not that you don't wanna be present for the congregation, it's not that you don't wanna lead worship well on Zoom, it's not that, but it's this desire and this pressure on ourselves that if I don't do this the right way, I will not be accepted, I will not be loved, and that's the lie that we believed. Because maybe somewhere along the line, somebody, after you preached a sermon they didn't like, you know, stopped talking to you for a little bit, so now that lie is ingrained in you that I have to do things well in order to be accepted, in order to be loved. The problem with that lie is, well, for me might not be well for you, and good for you might not be good for me, and my, my performance may not satisfy you, so I'm going to keep trying to perform, and I'll never be good enough. I'll never be good enough. And that's the lie of performance. How well you do determines your value, determines how valuable you are. And when you don't do well, you feel worthless. I remember one Easter, they asked me to preach at my church. And my church is the type of church that they'll shout you down, even if you like, you know, they yes, baby, you know, like that. And I remember this Easter, I was so nervous, and there was a kid crying, and I was like, and I don't know what happened. That sermon was, the assistant pastor had to come back and preach after I didn't preach. Like, I knew it was bad, right? <laughs> and I remember... <laughs> And I remember feeling like I had to go somewhere and run and hide, right? No, seriously. I was like, they're never going to ask me to preach again. They're going to, they're going to, you know, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't a minister in the church yet, but I remember, and it's such a real feeling, guys. It's so real, right? That when we put our best foot forward, we feel, and we feel worthless. And I, I remember questioning my call even, like, oh, this is probably not for me. Like, I got, I really should stick to the youth because, and why they put me to preach on Easter? Like, the church is packed. There's people in the overflow. So I'm hiding. I, after church, we have to, like, greet people. <laughs> so I'm, like, hiding behind the other pastor. I don't want anyone to greet me. But the performance lie says that it determines our worth. We feel worthless. I didn't do a good job. I don't even want to show my face, you know? So is this the lie that you have been believing? Is it the performance lie? The second lie is the people-pleasing lie. Everyone must like me, so I'll try to please everyone, right? Have you ever been there where it's like, yeah, I'll do it. Sure, you want me to do that? Of course, I'll do it. You want me to, so I live in, in New Jersey now. I live an hour, and away from, an hour and a half away from New York. So I've been doing dumb things, right? Like, oh, your birthday is Friday night, but I have to be back in Princeton at 8 a.m. the next morning and then go back 
um, for dinner on Saturday night. And then I'm like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Just so I can get invited to the next event, right? Just so that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't feel left out or lonely. Just so that they'll know that I still love them or that I'm a good friend or something like that, right? The people pleasing lie. If I don't show up, they're not gonna love me anymore. If I don't show up, I don't have friends. Plus, my birthday is coming up, and you know, I want them to like, you know, so let me show up so that they can show up for me. You know, that's the people-pleasing lie, right? You want to be likable, so uh, you'll, you'll take too much on. You'll just say yes, yes, yes. And then, because you can never satisfy, right, you become resentful. They want me to do everything for them. Like, she's always asking me to, and I loved when Pastor Drew yesterday, he said, I became burnt out, not because of them taking advantage of me, but because of me, right? Because of me wanting to do everything for them. Me wanting to prove that I was such a great pastor. Me wanting to, to show them that I am likable and that I'm lovable, like me. Choose me. Ask me to help you. I can do it. I did it before. I always do it. I'm available. The people-pleasing lie. But the reality is that we just want to be wanted and we just want to be loved, right? So is this the lie that you have been believing? And the last lie is the lie of control. Mm. The lie that value comes from my capacity to produce results and control the outcomes that I desire. And for some of us women that have experienced abuse of any kind, this is common, right? Because there's this fear of being taken advantage of. So instead of, um, of being hurt again, instead of being taken advantage of again, I'm gonna control the situation, right? I, um, I don't know if anyone is into Marvel. I got into it with Black Panther, and then my brother put me on to all the other guys. So there's Doctor Strange. Do you guys know him? Dr. Strange, he's able to sit there and in, in the last one, I can't remember the name of it, but he was like tr trying to figure out all the possible outcomes, right? And he was like, there's only one outcome that will blah, 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 you know. Okay, if you've seen it, you know. So anyway, some of us try to be Dr. Strange. We try to figure out every single possible outcome and then we try to control every single possible outcome, right? So that we can be on top and we can hold on and have control to so that we won't be hurt or so that um, things will go our way or so that people will love us or so that we can be seen as this type of person, the lie of control. And I mean, we all know this woman, right? Like God is in control. There's a lot of things we can't control. So a lot of us who have believed the lie of control, COVID was a hard time because there was nothing you can do when you sat up in that room Hopefully you had Wi-Fi or something, you know, because that really saved a lot of us, but there was nothing you could have done when you were in quarantine in the house. And unfortunately for those of us that have lost people during that time, when my dad had, um, my dad was in the hospital in the ICU during COVID, and I remember sitting in my room thinking of all the possible ways I could, I could have avoided him from being there. Right? And it's really a lie of control. Like, sis, you can't control this. It's out of your hands. But somehow the enemy makes us feel, right, that if you're not in control of the situation, then you are this. Nobody's going to love you. Everyone is going to see right through you. Everyone is going to know that you're the one. 
So is this the lie that you have been believing? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, and I'll read it. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So what do we replace these lies with? We replace it with the fact that God has already loved us. Before he made the world, the scripture says, he chose to love us. The, then, he, then the Bible says, for God so loved the world. So he chose before he created the world to love us. And then he so loved the world that he sent his only son. His love for us did not come after we decided to love him first. So it had nothing to do with control, right? It had nothing to do with performance. His love for us didn't come when we decided to give our lives to Christ. His love for us didn't come when we decided to answer the call over, uh, you know, the call to preach, the call to teach, the call to lead. His love for us didn't start there. It started before we were even born, before we were even formed in our mother's womb. This is what we replace the lies with. The next thing we replace the lies with is that God chose us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That means that we, there's no shame, Right? There's no, when we feel inadequate, when we are, are yearning for affirmation, when we are yearning for love, there's no shame, right? Because he loved us. The Bible says that there's no condemnation in, in, for those that are in Christ Jesus. So when we mess up and when we feel like, man, we have to hold on to these lies and we have to puff ourselves up with what we do and with pleasing others, the Bible says that there's no shame in that. I love you the way you are. In my eyes, for those of you with children, you already know, right? When people say, your kid is a hot mess, you're like, no, no, no. I know my kid has, you know, thing, but my, my kid is perfect. My kid is blameless in my eyes. And that's the way that God looks at us. That's how I look at my niece and my nephew, right? I'm, look, I'm like, my niece, she's a hot mess. She beat up my nephew and stuff. But I'm like, oh, my God, she's so amazing. She's so amazing. Like, she's beating up my nephew. I'm laughing on the, on the side, but I'm like, stop it, Eliza. But in my head, I'm like, she's so cute. You know, like, and that's how God looks at us, too. <laughs> so no more lies, no more accusations from the enemy. He says that we are blameless in his eyes. And the, the last thing we will replace the lies with is that the Bible says we will receive every spiritual blessing because we are united with Christ and with the work that was done on the cross. We are adopted. We belong to God. And it is all ours, every spiritual blessing. That means that we don't get half anointing, right? Um, uh, Pastor Ebony last night was saying, we walk around like we don't have the authority. We don't get half authority. The authority doesn't come when we're on the pulpit and then when we get home, it leaves us, right? We're not only able to lead in one capacity and in one box. Like, okay, you're in the church, you're Pastor so-and-so, but when you're home, you're only this. No, we have every blessing. And that every blessing is for every period of our lives. It's for everywhere that we go. We carry that anointing with us, right? It's not halfway. 
it's not just a little bit. It's not only when you have to speak somewhere. It's all the time. We have every blessing, and we need to walk in that authority. So when we sit there and we believe the lies that, that we have been told, we have to stop and say, but hold up. Every blessing, every anointing, everything that is available is for me at all times. These are the things that we replace the lies with. So what are you believing today? Dr. Robert Mahi says, whatever you agree with, you give power to in your life. So if you agree with the truth, then the truth will set you free. But if you agree with lies, then the lies will enslave you. So are you believing that you are valuable if you are chosen and loved by many? Or are you believing that you have already been chosen by God? Are you believing that your worth is dependent on a title and accolades that man gave you? Or are you believing that your worth is a loved daughter of God and it was established before he even made the world? Are you believing that your value is determined by you controlling the outcomes of your life? Or are you believing that you have every spiritual blessing available to you and your value has already been determined by God? What are you believing? What foundation are you standing on today? We are worth it because God says so, period. That's it. We are worth it because God says that you are worth it. <laughs> and we're not here in this room today because of some fabulous thing that you've done, right? You, <laughs> women of God, women of valor, are not chosen, you know, to be here today because of a gift that you gave to Annette for her birthday or something, right? You're not here because your husband is friends with Adam. That's not why you're here. You're here because, you know, in advance, God already knew that you needed to be here today. God already knew that you needed a sister friend, right? God already knew the word that you needed to hear. God, know what you, God knows what you need in this season. That is why you're here today. And those times that you weren't in the room, right? <laughs> Those times that you were uninvited, Pastor Enid talked about being uninvited, right? Those times where you were never even on the list to begin with, those times do not determine your worth either. That has nothing to do with your worth. You are valuable. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. And he is speaking over you. He is speaking love over you today. And I know these are things that we know with our heads, right? Because we teach it and we, we disciple others. But sometimes we need to know and believe it for ourselves. Because sometimes, I remember times when I'm like praying over people and they're crying and stuff. And I'm like, I don't even feel it. If I'm being honest, I'm like, I don't feel loved. I don't feel worth it. I'm doing what I need to do. I remember seasons like that. I was like, God, I'm just going to do whatever you say I need to do, but I don't feel loved in this moment. So sometimes we need to know it, not just here, but here in our hearts, that we are loved by God and he's speaking over us. Your value has already been determined. So ladies, let's act in courage. Let's walk in that authority that no one has to, to tell us, right, what, what they think that we can have confidence in who God says that we are. So I'm going to pray for us right now. 
And then after I pray, I would like us to, um, just on our tables, right? There's mirrors on the table. And I would like us to look at the mirror and share with our sisters what we see and be honest about it. Be honest. You may still see some lies that's lingering, right? Share with them. And I would like around the table for our sisters to encourage us and, and remind us of what God sees and who God sees. And if you look in the mirror and you see, I see a love child of God, then we will congratulate you. We will celebrate you, you know, and all of that stuff. But let's just be there for each other. So I'm going to pray and I would, I would like us to do that today. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you so much for who you are there, God. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you, O oh Lord, for the love that you have for us. Thank you, O oh Lord, that even before we were formed in our, our parents' wombs, you chose us, God. You called us, God. That you were singing beautiful songs over us there, God. That there, God, even if in our lowest seasons, what we see as our lowest seasons, even in our darkest times, you, O oh Lord, still love us. You still see the value there, God, in us when no one else, including ourselves, there, God, see it. When we are not encouraged there, God, when we are slaving and we are working, God, and we are not encouraged, we are not infirmed, we don't feel loved. When we feel lonely, God, when we feel like we're ready to give up, you are saying, you are worth it, daughter. You are more than enough because that's who I created you to be. You are gifted, you are anointed. You are mine. Every spiritual blessing belongs to you. So help us in this moment to receive it, God. Open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you are depositing in us, God. Help us to be able to just bask in your presence there, God, as you sing over us, God. Help us to know at our core, at our core, God, not in our minds, but at our core, that we are loved by you and we are worth it. God, this, this, these two days is just a, a little snippet there, God, of you just showing us that, yes, you are worth getting your own hotel room. Yes, you are worth getting a beautiful basket with your name on a robe. Yes, you are worth being spoiled, given a tour. You are worth being among these beautiful women. This is just a little bit of what you want to show us. Oh, God, how you lavish your love upon us, God. Help us to open our eyes to see that and really experience that in deep ways. As we pour out on others, God, may you continue to just pour in us. And help us to have that confidence, that confidence in you, God, that confidence in who we are in you. So we thank you, God. We thank you, O oh Lord, for what you're doing even right now and what you will continue to do in us. We thank you, O oh Lord, for what you are doing in, in, in our lives individually and collectively. And we look forward, O oh Lord, to see what you will do in days and months and years to come. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Leading in the City, brought to you by Lead NYC. Tune in next time and join us on the web at lead.nyc.